Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to shout out everybody that supports all of anything we got going on, man. Special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, as well as the youth from the By the Hood Ownership Camp, as well as all of our members from our MDC Strategy Membership Group. Um, and that's growing as well. So shout out to all of you guys. We appreciate the support. But as you know, our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who do amazing work in the community. I got my partner, Crown Corby. As always, Corby, what's up, good brother? What's really good, man? Every day above ground is a good day, so let's go get it. Yes, sir. And listen, this brother that we have on right with us right now, man, is a community activist. Um, he's also an investor and trader. Um, and I want his story to be told, man. He's just an overall good brother. And I love his unique perspective and his way of looking at the world. So, you know, I wanted to reach out to him and bring him on to tell his story, man. This is our brother out of the shy, man. We got Ronnie, man, in the building. Ron, what's up, good brother? Peace and love, brother. Peace and love. Bro. Listen, yeah, man, man, first and foremost, man, I just want to say thank you for, you know, giving us your time. That's the most valuable asset. And, you know, we appreciate you for that, good brother. Man, it's an honor and a privilege, man, to build with other black men, you know? Yeah, and trying yeah. to empower other people and whatnot. This is a blessing, man. I, I'm just glad to be here. Let's Absolutely. get it cracking. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. So, so you're right. Building, building with our brothers is definitely important, especially our brothers from all across the country, man. Absolutely. But let's start with your 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 beginning. Though, where are you born and raised? Tell our audience where you born and raised at. Well, I'm uh, Chicago born and raised. Uh, you know, I was born on the west side. And I was uh, raised on the north side. And, you know, it's a tale of I truly uh, lived on both sides of Chicago, if you will. It's really two sides. It's really a classic city, if you will. And so I, I grew up, um, you know, in a, in a melting pot with all different type of ethnicities and whatnot. But Chicago is home and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, so, so coming up in Chicago, you said you grew up on the west side as well as the north side. So well, born on the west side, grew up on the north side. Um, what kind of student were you coming up? You know, I was uh, I was a pretty good student, uh, actually. Uh, I went. I remember always um, wanting to learn, being a very curious child. Uh, some people would call that bad, right? When you're always into stuff, mm -hmm. but I was always curious, trying to figure out what made this remote control work or what made this do that. So um, I, I got pretty good grades and things until I got discouraged with school because it, you know. Uh, I felt like I had went as far as I could go. Uh, I wasn't being challenged, let's just say. Okay, yeah. And it's probably a lot of young brothers like that still to Man. this day. Yeah. 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 I um, had gifted classes up until that point, though, you know. So your journey, though, your journey growing up, um, you know, you used to talk about kind of students you were. What was your journey like, you know, through high school and after high school? Well, in high school, man, I was, uh, you know, I was a jock. I played sports. Uh mm -hmm. Play basketball and a little baseball here and there. Um, I guess some would say I was a popular kid and things like that. I, I, but I've always been a shy individual and an introvert. Um, so that that I think a lot of people misunderstood me because uh, I really just enjoyed being by myself. And they would take that. Some people would take that as arrogance and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. So what was it like? So what did your journey take you like after high school? Like how, how what was your journey like? Did you go to college? You go to what you do after high school? So after high school, I went into the Navy. Um, okay. I had a child on. The, I had a son at the time. Needed a little security, and uh, went in there um, without a plan. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, and what made you choose the Navy over any other uh, the, the the armed forces? What made you choose the Navy? because I didn't have to go to war, meaning I didn't have to go out there in infantry, basically. I didn't have yeah. to go out there if they if they would have sent me to war. I thought I would be safe. There was safety on that ship out <laughs> on the water. You know, what was I thinking, right? But I uh, went into the, to the Navy, uh, and it's, it's why it's important to have uh, guidance in your life, mm -hmm. you know, mentors and, and people who could uh, push you in the right directions. I had an opportunity 
to go into the Navy and be an air traffic controller, didn't take the opportunity because it was a six year commitment. Because at 17 years old, I went in at 17, at 17 years old, I couldn't fathom six years of doing anything. So, uh, mm. but that was, a, that was a mistake. I could have came out six years later with two years of school for an air traffic controller making over a hundred K. So yeah, it's very important to uh, have people to, to guide you so that you can make wise decisions. So the the time that you did spend in the Navy, um, what, what would you say uh, that you took from that to, to, to to kind of bring you where you are today? What did you learn from that experience or how has that added to your life? Good or bad? Well, by me, that was my first encounter with uh, blatant racism. In the Navy. Uh, where, yeah, when it was, I mean, right, right oh, yeah. in your face. I dealt with it in school. Uh, like I said, I went to school on the north side of Chicago. It's a melting pot, all different ethnicities and what have you. I faced it on, on a level. I was very aware of it and conscious of it as a youngster and whatnot. But it was very uh, in your face, sort of like... Uh, Take it or leave it. How they're doing the brother Kyrie and mm-hmm. uh, Kanye right now. Take it or leave it. We do you have, you, you know, and, and I, I bucked against that. I've always been a rebel uh, against oppression of any kind, uh, especially for my people. Yeah. So uh, that didn't work out too well for me. Got you. Got you. Got you. So after the Navy, um, you know, where'd your journey take you? So. We know you as like someone that does work in the community. We also know you as a master trader. But leading up to that point, so what was that point in between, say, after the Navy up until you discovered, you know, the markets? Like what kind of what, what lost, bro? You, you said lost? lost, bro. I was in the streets. You know, I, I turned mm-hmm. to the streets. I, I I ended up leaving the military. I only had a two year commitment. And here I was 20 years old. Um, and I started doing things that I shouldn't do. Things mm-hmm. that was contrary to the way I was raised and who, who my mother raised me to be. And I uh, started hanging in the streets and doing all kinds of things I had no business doing. And that is where I get the passion from to correct, to right the wrongs that I've created. When I go back on the old blocks where I used to hustle at and it looks mm-hmm. like somebody dropped a bomb in the middle of that block. You know what I mean? I really, yeah. uh, I kind of feel the burden of doing that to the community. You know what I mean? And I kind of want to, I know I can't fix it all by myself, nor am I responsible for it all, but I do feel a duty to uh, do something to make things around me better, you know, and not be in my community. Yeah. So you said law. So, so let me ask you this question, right? Because, you know, you a stand up brother now, you do do positive work. What helps you turn it around or what person was the person? Was it an event? What helps you get back on track? I lost my mother. My mother died uh, from cancer in 2003. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, one of the things that I, I don't believe in a life of regret or, 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 or anything like that, but I do regret to a degree that my mother didn't see me be a man. My mother saw me uh at my lowest you know running the streets and hustling and things like that doing things that was contrary to the way she she raised me so i made a a conscious decision then to start righting the wrongs plus i had children on the way and Mm -hmm. whatnot so i um uh and then eventually i became a single father as well uh after mother died but uh, i just wanted to make things better for myself and my world for my children rest in rest in peace to your mom man but rest in peace yeah, man. So so that kind of turns you around. Um, so one of the things that I like about your approach to the work that you do is you're a brother that has empathy. Right. So a lot of times in, in, in the spaces that we're in, you see a lot of people that try to help the community, but they're always like heavy handed. Like, you know, these people are wrong. They got to do better. They got to do this. And you come off a little bit different. Your thing is, let's figure out why these brothers are doing what they're doing. And, and a lot of it you accept responsibility for. Right. Um, I see that a lot in your messages. Where did that come from, that idea of having the empathy that you have in doing your work? Mother. Um, I'm my mama's baby, you know. Um, My mother would do for people. And she taught me, she taught me at a young age one very important word that I love to this day, and that's the word grateful, 
right? And so uh, she would always do things and whatnot. And that's, I, I didn't like it as a youngster, right? Mm -hmm. But I kind of uh, got a heart for the people to do for people who didn't have um, like me. I grew up, by me saying I grew up on the North side in a melting pot with different ethnicities, I literally saw Cambodian people uh, people from Pakistan and India, all these different, Korea, all these different cultures come to Chicago in droves. I seen these people eating out of garbage cans, right? I seen these people uh, being dirt poor. I mean, a whole nother level type of poor, right? In the city of Chicago, poor than I even saw it from my own people on, on the west and the south sides of Chicago. But I also seen those people change their whole narrative and um, open up strips of um, uh, uh, I, I lost my thought, but it's it's um, liberated zones. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, they've opened up their own liberated zones uh, all throughout in pockets of the city. So by me growing up up north and seeing that, I had a desire for that for my people. So, so right. real quick, let's go back to that. That that mm -hmm. thinking about liberal. What is a liberated zone? Explain that for the folks that may not know what a liberated zone is. So, a liberated zone is uh, actually that's one of my terms, but it's it's a zone where uh, a particular ethnicity, in my case, black people. A liberated zone is black people that we control our businesses. We have our own strip, but we control our businesses. We control our own housing. We could be our own section eight. We could be our own investors in our own communities okay. uh, and things like that. I saw that other ethnicities, I grew up with other ethnicities and watched them do it on the north side. Okay, and so I, an example, I example, of that, hmm? example of that would be like a Chinatown. It's, not like, it's like a Chinatown in every city almost. Correct. Little Korea, Little Italy. We got yeah. it all in Chicago. Greek okay. Town. We got stuff that other people ain't even got. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I saw that and I just thought like, that's what my people was doing on the West side and the South side. So I always had a desire to be around my own because um, you know, you don't get, you'll get some type of rejection from others. So I wanted to kind of, when I thought that that was going on in my community and I wanted to be a part of that and I came home on, on my side, the West side, and I found out that this, these type of things wasn't really happening like that. You know, our people wasn't working together like that. So I just uh, set out to start reaching out to the community. I have young children. Again, I, I'm a single father. I raised three of my children on my own. So I wanted to try to, uh, my children were, have been shot at. And mm -hmm. by shot at, I mean, you know, they six, seven, eight years old at the playground. Somebody shooting at the play, in the playground ain't the same as shooting at my child, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to just be, somebody that's just complained about issues. I'm a man of action. So I just began to start doing things in the community. I started saying, well, okay, I'm gonna go out here and um, you know, try to create safe zones for children to walk home from school. You know, started leading efforts like that, starting uh, working with other organizations and things like that to try to make things better in the community. And what I've seen is that a lot of our issues and problems in the community, the root cause of a lot of those things are poverty. So mm -hmm. to, to get back to what you said, you know, how could we really blame other people for poverty? We got to be we got to blame, put some of that blame on the people who put us in this predicament, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't see a lot of that. That narrative is not we always wag our fingers at each other. Like Mr. Obama got up there. He just wagged his finger at us and whatnot. And, uh, you know, um, we don't see enough of uh, people encouraging people to be self-determinated as opposed mm -hmm. to just telling them what they can't do and what they need to do and all this other stuff. We, we got to get out of that. Yeah, man. Um, some powerful stuff right there. So your work before you even got into the market, you were already in the community doing the community side of it, right? Yeah. So, so, tell us about, so tell us about like, I know you, I know that, you know, you work with um, an extra organization, your organization is called rise up Chicago. Yeah. Um, but tell us about um, getting that started or what led to rise up Chicago. So, um, Years ago, doing doing this uh, work with this one organization in which I was a founding member of New Era Chicago, a lot of people heard of them and the work we were doing here in Chicago. And um, 
we we had a, a, a particular program where we would go to every community, every black community in Chicago. We would go and give resources. We would go and uh, show a united front and, uh, you know, just engage the community to get out and get active in their community, come out on the porches and whatnot. Let's be a deterrent to some of this senseless violence and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, while doing that work, man, I discovered again that a lot of our problems are rooted in poverty, you know? And so I started learning about the markets and whatnot and using, uh, trying to use that knowledge to basically fund my endeavors in the community and whatnot. And from there, I've just been able to take that knowledge and uh, create other things like programs. I'm uh, working with, getting ready to start working with a a, a Pop Warner football team, teaching them Mm -hmm. about the markets and, Things like that, man. Just trying to oh, no, that's uh, reach as many young people as I possibly can, you know, uh, so with, with what you, I learned. I, I just believe in, 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 you know, letting everybody, uh, I don't want to leave this earth with any of the, the things that I have in me. I want to pour out to my people as much as I possibly can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you learning about investing and also trading, right? What kind of switch was that for you when you figured out like, oh, my God, this is how all this stuff works. Like I can make money, you know, just by being in this space. Like so I guess the question I'm asking is, did you know any of that coming up? or Was that something that you discovered? And when you did discover it, what was the light bulb moment for like for you? So I, I was first introduced to the markets by my uncle, my uncle Derek and my grandmother, paternal grandmother, uh, she was also an investor. She started working at AT&T in like 1955, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she says that she went into her interview and the guy before her came out and said, hey, whatever you do, they got stocks. Uh, ask them about their stock plan. So she goes into the interview. There's a lull and it's kind of uncomfortable. And so she just blurts out, hey, what about the stock program you got and whatnot? Mm-hmm. And that kind of... Uh, saved her in the interview she ended up getting a job and started investing and uh she would um always try to encourage me to do it but at the time i you know i thought it was i, I believed in the the uh market myths what i call them mm-hmm. i believe that that was for white folks that was for rich people that's you know all the things that, all the stuff uh, we hear in our community yeah we hear yeah, that in our community. yeah yeah all the all the fear you know that that people um pump into us, you know? And uh, so I didn't do it for years. And then eventually around uh, 2015, I started uh, Mm -hmm. learning and and then, but it wasn't until, it wasn't until 2020, January 1st, 2020, that I really Mm -hmm. hunkered down and I took it serious to where it's, I'm gonna ride this thing to the wheel. I'm gonna ride this or die. This is is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, and I took it from a stance of, and my whole approach to the markets is this, I'm taking my reparations. Mm. I'm taking it. I'm, I, I've, got, I've been empowered with knowledge now that I can go on the stock market now and use my beautiful brain, right, to take what's rightfully mine. That's, that's my approach to the market. Mm, I like that. You know? I like that. Using, the, using yeah. the stock market to take your reparations. Yeah. 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 Hey, man, yeah. Cause check this out, right? Uh-huh. You know, people can say what they want about money, right? They they can say money came by love and all these other things, and that sounds real cute, right? But here's what I do know: money came by poverty, right? And, and <laughs> most of the most of the problems that are affecting our people is due to poverty. You did a video not too long ago talking about uh, how traumatic it is to be uh, poverty brings trauma. You know what <laughs> yes, I mean? It really yo, does. Yeah. Yo, that's real. I remember walking up to my mentor, man, you know, and, and I, I went to I went to complaining about something. He said, Man, you all right, you just need a little money. You know, and I was like, Yeah, you know what I do. <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, it is it's funny now, and I, that's why I like building with um, you know, brothers from from all across the country, because like even if you're in Chicago and we're in Philadelphia, these stories are very similar in terms of the stuff that you're told about the market in terms of our experiences. And it's funny when you sit back as a, as a, as a grown man and you think about some of the beliefs and some of the things that you had growing up in the inner city 
and how we all got trauma, right? We 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 all got PTSD, and because some of the stuff that's normalized for us is not normal. It's not normal. Yeah, it's just yeah. not normal. But you realize that as you grow and mature, and you say, "Damn, like you know, I thought this, or you know, I moved this way." But you know, that's why I like building with, with you, with you brothers, because you know, it's always a learning experience. Um, yeah. Or you was getting ready to say something to the brother? I know that sounds similar to what I said. You know, all the problems we think of are our social problems are really you know, economic problems with social consequences. You know what I mean? Like, that's really that's really what it is, right? And then when I say that, people be like, well, that this ain't a social problem. I mean, this ain't an economic problem. This ain't an economic problem. I'm like, it all stems from economic, you know, everything stems from the economics of it all, right? It all boils down to who control the money and who control the resources, right? And if you don't control money or, or the means of production or the resources in your, in your neighborhoods, you don't control anything. Your life is always going to be up to somebody else. You're going to be begging your whole life because you don't control anything. Yeah. You can own, a, like, I tell black people, you can own every house in your neighborhood. If you don't own any of the businesses in your neighborhood, you don't own your neighborhood. And so that, it doesn't, you you get a say-so by owning real estate, but really the money comes from the businesses in the neighborhood, right? And so if you don't control the businesses in your neighborhood, you don't control your neighborhood. I think it goes deeper than that, though, because I think you got to have control the politics in your neighborhood, right? Yeah, so, what I'm so saying, I think, is, I think it's deeper than that because even if you got the businesses, if you don't control the politics, those politics, those politics. Well, my thing is that goes a long way into controlling the politics because now you yeah, got the money to buy the politicians, like everybody else do. It's all connected. Yeah, you got to be able to buy those politicians. Business is warfare. It definitely mm. is, and our people are not even taught that. We're not even fighting. We're not even we're not even in the game. Break break that down. Break that down for the folks that like trying to understand it. You know, dig deeper. That when you say business is warfare, what do you mean by that? I'm I'm really just putting a tag on what 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 you brothers were just saying. You know how if you don't control the resources in your community, you don't control your community. It's not yours, really. You just got listen. Eventually, if you don't control the business in your community, somebody's going to come in there and control them. And mm -hmm. if you look in our communities, it's a whole lot of people that don't look like us that come into our community. They take money out of our community. They never bring anything to the community, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the warfare, and we're not even fighting it. You know what I mean? There's a war going on. Like, even just think about this, brothers. Just we're part of the one percenters in, 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 in this uh, regard that we have. A, we've been endowed with. Uh, a skill set or a knowledge that enables us to go to the money well every day. Yeah. You know, that's 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 that right there. Just think about that. Everybody everybody doesn't have access to that. You know, uh we're able to do something that's a little different and that's how we can overcome and win some of these wars and this war of business by being investors, by being smart with our money, by work doing cooperative economics, you know, mm -hmm. by doing things together. That's how you become a community, uh, by doing things together. And that's yeah. why, that's what I mean by it's warfare. It's so much going on in our communities uh, and we're not even fighting. Yeah, but see, a lot of, yeah, a lot of us don't even know we're at war though. That's the thing. See, Quick, so, so what I was saying is when you were talking about those liberated zones, right? The one thing I would say about those liberated zones is that the first thing they do is they control all the businesses in that neighborhood. Like, even if they don't control all the housing, you anybody can live in those neighborhoods. They don't even care. But do I tell you who can't, what the, you can't do, like, you can't buy a business in that neighborhood. You Like, if you go into Chinatown in Philly, all of those businesses are owned by Asian people. They might not be all Chinese, but all of those businesses are owned by Asian people. And right. If you go, there's a, there's a big giant Vietnamese um a contingent here in Philadelphia, and if you go into those neighborhoods, they got a supermarket, a church, they 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 they, they go, they got dentists and they got their own doctors. Like they, you know, they'll buy a building, and then they'll get one of those doctors that they sent to one of these fancy colleges, and they'll bring them back, and that'll be their doctor. And they'll pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to be their doctor. And we don't do any of that. Well, where are our, listen, at the dawn of the, 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 the 20th century, 
we had over 50 banks. Mm-hmm. Last I checked, it was like 13, and it was declining. And it has, it has declined. It's probably like eight right now, but don't quote me on that. It, it's significantly, significantly less. You know, we have one black-owned hospital in, in America, Howard University's hospital. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, here in Chicago, a few years ago, it was 50% uh, unemployment rate for black men in Chicago. Like, how do mm-hmm. we really? expect for our communities to thrive if we're doing nothing uh, to invest into the community to pour into the community we're not pouring into the community like what kind of, what kind of jobs like my thing is this right especially with men like when you when you don't have something for them to do they're going to create something to do like for the very most part like we not gonna be hungry forever. Somebody gonna feed us now. Whether we gotta take that food or whether that food, you know, what I mean, wherever that food come from, at some. And this is why you see the crime and the poverty that you do. This is why you see all these young boys going to hustling out here, or they, you know, they take the gat and put it to your back. They they rob you for two hundred dollars because they don't have two hundred dollars. To them is a lot of money because they never had anything. There is a survival mode. Yeah, they are. I think that, and and again, it's something that I've I've said on multiple episodes. I've come around. I used to think that everything was purely economic. And now I believe that it's part mental health and part economics. I don't know whether it's 50-50, 70-30, 60-40. I don't know what the split is because in my work and talking to some of these young brothers, man, they be hurting. They They don't even want to do it. They've been through things that, you know, I don't even want to speak on. You know what I mean? That's not really talked about in our community. Um, So I think that's part of it. The economics is another part of it. But then there's another thing we got to talk about, too, is we're taught to run from our own. Right. So our best and brightest will go to schools. And when they come back, the first thing they want to do is get away from the rest of us. Right. That's a mentality. Right. Because but but something something else. And, you know, you talk about this, Ronnie. I've heard Corey talk about it as well. We have to be able to offer them opportunities. If they come from college and they got a finance degree or they have a law degree, like where are they really going to come to to work? They have to kind of leave. You know what I mean? So it's like be able to support themselves. because, And this is another thing about our folks. And I love our folks more than I love anything in the world. But what we don't support each other in a way economically that makes sense. Right. If I'm a doctor and I come back and I work in the inner city, I'm going to be making forty or fifty thousand dollars as a doctor, and I got three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student loans, right? One of the things when, when me and Jim started by the hood, two of the young boys that I mentored, they went to um, they went to schools and they got finance degrees, right? Okay. And one of the things I told them when I was mentoring them, I said, you got to come back, right? And so they came back and they tried to find jobs and they were getting offered forty five dollars and $60,000 a year for finance with finance degrees. And one of them had a, a, a finance law degree. And I was like, you got to go. Like, I can't keep you here. Because that doesn't you 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 can't make sixty thousand dollars a year with a finance law degree. You know what I mean? I mean like you can't you can't. Do, I'm not even going to allow you to do that because that so, doesn't make any sense. I had to send him to Chicago because there was nothing here where he could have got paid. And there's nothing I couldn't offer him anything that would be remotely close to being able to with that degree. So, so here's the thing. That's a failure on our part. And again, no, to exactly. But yeah, a lot of times we like, to, we like to wag the finger, but we've we've kind of dropped the ball a little bit because see, we see, we, build that infrastructure. we gonna call brother a sellout, right? Yeah. He, went, he went to make 160k instead of taking the 60, right? We're gonna call him a sellout, but we're not gonna even look at ourselves in the mirror and say we sold him out. Yeah. He didn't have nowhere to go. Listen, he did exactly what I asked him to do. Yeah, he yeah. got the degree. And he, came did, he did what people, what people in survival mode do. Yeah, and the way right. this company, the way this country, we live in a capitalistic society. Everybody's in survival mode. Whether I don't care how much money you got, it's it is engineered that way 
for us to keep going and going and going and keep pumping and pumping into the economy mm -hmm. and things like that. We have to be very careful how we, uh, you know, wag our fingers at people. You know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't mean that brother had good intentions and everything, but hey, man, I do have to put bread on the table. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? He's 23 but, years old. 20, he's 23 years old with every opportunity in the world in front of him. He went and got a, a, a four-point GPA at a, at, a, at a premium school and said, all right, you know what I mean? We, we talked about this. I'm ready. Where? Where? Where you want me to go? And I'm so, looking so, around. So here's the other here's the other part of that. So that that's why, like, I don't, I don't, you know, and again, this is all through maturity, you recognize things. I don't when people run away. My thing is not just that you leave, but what are you bringing back, right? I don't have, if you're going to go out into the world with other cultures and do that, but what are you bringing back, right? So, I mean, and a great example is what's going on right now. And we don't have to get into that, but one of the things that has brought up is that book, The $40 Million Slave, right? And, um, and, and William Roden is the author of that book. But one of the things he talks about in there is when you look at um, the contracts that these athletes have made, right? It allows them to live amazing lives. But what infrastructure has been brought back to the community? If you don't have any hospital, so I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk a little bit about that, right? right. Again, 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 the point is, where is that capital traveling to? And the point that he makes in the book is like, when you look at the capital, it goes, that, to, that, a, go, it goes to affluent neighborhoods that are not black. But, but go ahead, the, what, 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 you what, say? what I will say about that is, right, is that money flows backwards in, in black when you got those black athletes, right? Instead of the money flowing forward into new things, he, he or she is taking care of all the people that took care of them on the way to the to no, where I they understand that. And I, and and I so saw that. That's episode. a giant burden. That's a giant burden that a lot of other cultures don't have to deal with because... No. But again, right? So I get that, right? And that is part of it. And I saw that on the episode. I forgot what podcast it was, but a guy talked about that. That about was how the Brandon Marshall's podcast. Yeah, shot the Brandon Marshall's podcast. So I did see that, but I think there's another part of it too, right? Because even if money flows, we've seen. I mean, we listen. You've seen the documentary. You've seen the statistics on broke. broke oh right? yeah, you see, you that see, documentary so, is nuts. In, in in the middle of all that money flowing back, there's also a lot of money flowing into other businesses that aren't our businesses, and there's no infrastructure being built. And by the way, I'm not putting this just on, you know, and um, celebrities. celebrities. I'm this putting that on everybody. everyday working person. I don't care if you work for the sanitation department. Unless we all at some point decide to work as a unit, it's not going to work. And it can't be on the celebrities. So I don't even wag my finger at celebrities because I don't think they're the solution personally at all. I, I think the number one problem, no matter how you slice it in black America is, I got mine, you get yours. You yeah. know, and, 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 uh, I, I did rugged individualism. individualism. In, in, in Chicago, we have, I don't think you all have them in Philly because y'all houses kind of all together anyway. Yeah. But we have uh, these gates, right? Uh, I hate these gates, bro. Uh, those metal gates and whatnot. Everybody, everybody has those gates. And the reason why I hate those gates, I understand the reason why people put them in there because during the 80s and the 90s, during the crack era, it was when our communities went crazy. I understand the reason behind it, but those um, gates sig signify, it's all about just me and mine behind, mm -hmm. these, behind this gate, you know? And I don't give a damn about everybody else outside of the gate. People don't, you don't even know your neighbors nowadays, you know? Yeah. Um, so, We've gotten out of that 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 working uh, together thing. That's why I appreciate the work that you all do, and that's why I strive every day to try to do. I don't. Uh, I try to build with people what we agree on. As a mm -hmm. see, we could agree on ninety percent of the things, right? But we are gonna mm -hmm. fall out about the ten percent. Uh, oh man, you, you listen. Now you speaking gospel, man. And we we, and, we disagree on this one thing, man. And now we can't. Now we don't bang it all. Yeah, but yeah, we, we agree like on some major, like major stuff, right? You know yeah. what I mean? But damn, because I don't think LeBron is the GOAT, we got to fall out? <laughs> Come on, man. We, 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 have a case of, we, we have a case of extreme pettiness as a people at times, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's an amazing point because we have to understand that, like, disagreement is okay, right? And me and Corey talk about this often, like, 
our thing is as long as someone's heart is in the right place, even if we have different ways of getting there, it's about the mission and it's about like what the end result is. Like you may say, look, we want to go left. He may say we want to go right. But as long as you guys are trying to get to the same place and you guys got the same goals. I don't got to go left with them. All I got to do is if I see that they're getting to the place where I got to go, all I got to do is not get in their way. Like I don't even have to support. How about them. that? I don't even have yeah. to support what they do. I just gotta not get in their way so they can get where they're going. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. think you gotta support everything. Half the time, you don't even gotta support it. You just gotta get out of people's way so they can get where they're Man, going. Listen, you ain't never lie. That's why sometimes, like, listen. I just want anything. If it's a specific topic, like, it, I won't even say nothing at all because sometimes it's better just to be quiet. And I think that's another thing we gotta learn that sometimes you don't gotta have an opinion on everything. Yeah, oh, I, get, I get, I get, I get into, I, I got caught in a distraction tornado over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> it's all I good though. Got, sometimes I, you gotta, get, sometimes you gotta get things off your chest though. But Ronnie, we done. This, I, I like this conversation because every time we build is like this. But I want to get back to your story because this is really right. about you. Okay. And you know, we got sidetracked because we were talking about the work that you do at Rise Up and um, the work that you're actually doing in the community. And you talked about learning to invest, um, now learning to trade, becoming good at trading, starting in 2020, like. Um, and, and, you know, we've been in rooms and things and I've seen your trading. You, you you do your thing. Um, Tell us about the future, because I know one of the things you talked about in the future is trying to marry the two together, trying to marry that community activism with the trading. Like, what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, um, right now, as it stands, I've been. Uh, for the last few years, I've been uh, teaching people about the markets and things like that. Um created a business doing that also with trading and thing, um, teaching people how to trade and stuff. Um, ultimately it's about basically what by the hood is about. Uh, that's what rise up Chicago was predicated on the thought of us rising up as a community being our own section. I don't believe that we need, uh, white people for anything. I think mm -hmm. we need for them to leave us the hell alone um, and let us be our uh, great genius selves and be self-determined and let us do for ourselves. Um, so that's my vision, to help as many people, empower them with uh, the knowledge of the stock market, and then uh, be able to turn that into us investing in the community. Because what does it look like if because the facts of the matter is 75%, 77% of our households are ran by women. Um, mm. What does it look like if we, as investors, are uh, building up our own community and buying a lot of these uh, vacant properties in our communities, fixing them up, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, selling those homes to single parents because mm -hmm. now they're invested in the community and now their children are invested in the community. If they're investing in the community and the children are investing in the community, then our streets will be a little cleaner. Then you'll be you'll be more cognizant of the things that's going on in your surroundings. And you say, no, nah, I'm not having that because my taxes, I pay taxes for this property. You know, it's mm -hmm. a whole different mindset. So ultimately, that's the goal. Uh, it's, it's going to take me more time than I, 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 I would have liked it to. But mm -hmm. uh, Rome wasn't built in one day. So, Absolutely. Um, that's that's the vision to for us to build those liberated zones that I talked to where we control our own businesses, where we control our own housing, where we control our own schools, where we control our own banks, where we do for ourselves. That's the ultimate vision that I have for Rise Up Nation. Let me ask you a question, right? Along this journey, and you told us about your story growing up north side of Chicago, you talked about the Navy getting into the streets um, and then, you know, um, getting yourself together and, and, and building what you're building now. What would you say has been the biggest hurdle or something that you had to overcome um, to get you to where you are today from where you started? Uh, me. All right. Explain I've, that. One. I've, I've been the biggest obstacle to everything that, uh, you know, I've ever aspired to do, you know, uh, getting over myself and, um, being able to encourage myself to go when I don't feel like going. Uh, I just have a, a, a passion, bro. You know, it's a fire that burns in me um, for my people, for my family, for myself. I just want us to win, man. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's that wanting to win and want to see us do well. And uh, we're better than this, man. You know, we're better than how we're living. You know, it's so mm-hmm. much more out here to the world. By me being able to go and travel the world as a young man, I'm glad that I had that experience because I wasn't a local yokel. You know, my mind is bigger than just Chicago or Illinois. You know, my mind mm-hmm. is international. So, um, okay. Yeah. That's a great answer. Um, and, and I got to ask you this question, right? You know, and I'm sure, I'm sure you can answer this too. As someone that does similar work that we do in terms of like, you know, finance and, and, and also community work, um, how do you stay motivated when at times, like, I'll be, I'll be very transparent with you guys. Like, so sometimes it gets tough, right? It gets tough. And I've expressed this to Corey, like with some days I just feel like beat up. Um, how do you stay? How do you keep the fight alive? Like, how do you, how do you not just get frustrated and just like say, you know what? Because you have a skill set, like you mentioned earlier, where you can take care of yourself and you can build wealth yourself, but your focus is the people. How do you deal with those days where it's just like, you know, something could happen in the community or something that just really, you know, brings you down? How do you stay? And I know this is going to sound cliche-ish, but it's true. I draw from the ancestors, meaning I analyze their lives. I do not deify them, right? I learn from their mistakes. I draw from their strength. I, I wonder... How did Khalid Abdul-Muhammad feel when he spoke out and nobody said, you know, we should defend him, our people, no matter what they say? He was ostracized mm-hmm. for it. But now now it's convenient. So I look at, I, I, I'll use that for example and say, where did he draw strength from? I try to literally put myself in those shoes or whatever I'm dealing with. I'm frustrated. What made Malcolm keep going? What made, how did Garvey feel when he was stabbed in the back so many times and whatnot? Um, I guess uh, I use, I try to use history to try to help me along my journey. Mm -hmm. And I try to draw strength from, see, I don't have to go through what you went through, bro. But if I knew, if I know you went through an ordeal, a a tough ordeal, you was able to persevere I, I could kind of latch on to you and your strength and what you went through and whatnot to say, man, you're going to be all right. You'll be able to, to keep on uh, going no matter what, because man, that brother just showed you it could be done. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Our people so dope, man. You know what I mean? That's Our true. people That's so true. dope. You know what I mean? How could you not, how could you not draw, uh, 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 you know, inspiration from Gabriel Prosser? How could you not draw, you know, yeah, yeah. So dope. So when I feel like giving up, when I feel like, man, I can't go another further, and I look at those guys, man, and say, man, I ain't doing enough. You know, no, I, I gotta keep going. You know, like I'm, I'm out you, here bro? bullshit, man. How about you, you know what, what about you? How I draw? Uh, like, how do you like? You know, you know how some days, bro. Like, and, and, and I mean, you've talked about it. Yeah, man. I, you know what? Um, I, it's the circle we in. It's, I draw energy from the folks that, you know what I mean, like being able to talk to you, being able to be able to talk to, you know, people in our circle, in our community, Pastor Jay, you know what I mean, the women in our community, how they love us and support us, and they show us all the love that we, you know, because they see us out here doing the work, they they they, they protect us, man. They, they, they shield us from a bunch of, bunch of the yeah. beings. Like, you know, they they be putting us on. Like when 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 the when the wolves is when the wolves is on us, they put us on to the. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, it's just being in the right place. You know what I mean? Around the yeah. right people because so, so your circle. Yeah. So I like I like both of those answers because your answer is your circle and Ronnie's is like you know the our history and our people. And I got a couple more questions before we get out of here, Ronnie. But one I have to ask you about, right? So I see the I see the picture behind you. Um, Marcus Messiah, right? I gotta ask you about that because I watched a clip of you. Uh, you were on a TV show, I believe, right? Uh-huh. And you know they were asking you questions about the community, but I peeped. You had a Marcus shirt on in, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, obviously, he means something to you and his story. So I gotta ask the question: like, um, what is what is uh you know the ancestor mean to you? 
Gavi had the answers 100 years ago, right? And uh, a lot of people may not even know this, but the FBI was created not for Bonnie and Clyde them. It was created really to ostracize uh, Marcus Garvey. For me, he just symbolizes self-determination. He, sim he symbolizes do for yourself. Uh, there's so much uh, encouragement and enlightenment that he's given to us as a people and whatnot to uh, do for self and not be sitting around here uh, looking down the barrel of our noses at each other, to not look at other people as if they were superior to us, uh, to, he esteemed, uh, they say he had over 6 million dues paying members back in, back in the twenties. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He, he inspired so many of others. Uh, you know, Elijah Muhammad is a Gaviite. Yeah. You know, um, and so many, Mark, Malcolm's father was president yep. of Omaha, but you know, a lot of people would just rather tell you that Elijah Muhammad taught him everything. Malcolm was born a Garveyite. Yeah. Uh, Garvey was, um, to me, he's a, he's a symbol. He's he's somebody that we should um, that that did noble work on behalf of his people. He had a great love for us. He he gave us the blueprint, the economic blueprint, and things like that. And uh, that's why I love him, and that's why I always uh, refer to him. He he, I look at his uh, book, Philosophies and Opinions of Marcus Garvey. Is that's my bible. You know, mm -hmm. period. You know, I, I that's another source of inspiration. Yeah. I heard you. And I got one more question. And I guess, you know, you already named the book. I was going to ask you, what is your favorite book or a book that's inspired you along your journey? You already named that one. So you can't give me that one. Give me another book that's one of your favorites um, that has that, that helps you and has inspired you along your journey. This is going to sound this is going to sound crazy, but Disciplines of a Godly Man. Right. Okay. It's a book called Discipline. It's a Christian book written, written by a white pastor and whatnot. But he got some good principles in there that, you know, you could take. And um, it's, a, it's a book about discipline. Right. Okay. So those are things that uh, I'm a person that uh, I like to think that I'm a disciplined man. And so I, uh, that, that that's a book that I really love because it keeps me sharp. It keeps me disciplined. It keeps me structured. You know. Got you. Got you. I just read it. I just finished reading a book on discipline. Um, it's called Discipline is Destiny by, mm. by Ryan Holiday. And he ties a lot of history in and, and, and talks about how some of the things that we attribute to other parts of people's lives is really just their discipline. So you yeah. might want to, you know, if that's if that's like the, you know what you're into, you might want to check that out. I'm yeah, still, okay. I'm still, cool. I'm still piecemealing your rugu, bro. Like this book. <laughs> no, All listen, right. man. This joint, this joint heavy, right? Whoa, how big is that book? Oh, all right. It's, it's one, it's one of them. All right, gotcha. Yeah. I'm piecemealing this joint, right? So I take my notes. I got a notebook dedicated to this book. Like, this is one of them books where I'm reading, and as I'm reading, I'm taking notes, right? Because she laid a game down quite flat. Her name is Marimba Ani. And it's about African-centered critique of European cultural thought and behavior. Okay. And so, of course, when you finish that, we're going to need you to do like a, a whole review on that. because I'll, like, I'll definitely do it. I've been taking this book piece by like, this joint like an elephant that I got to eat piece by piece. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, how do you eat an elephant? Piece by piece. Right? Because this joint's so, like, is her pen game not on the same level as Isabel Wilkerson, but it's it's definitely because Isabel Wilkerson would have this book would have been half this size. Yeah. But her pen game is still crazy though. Gotcha. Let me just about. say this, man. I just this is why I love talking to you brothers. You brothers are brilliant, man. You, you know, I love y'all minds, man. Y'all you always have some some sound, impactful, empowering information, man. So that that right there, you got me sitting up here mesmerized and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, thank, thank you for the compliments, good brother, man. And listen, I just yeah. want to say thank you for your time overall, man. This has been a great talk. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing the vision of what you're trying to do in the future with your organization. Um, and thank you for the work that you do, man. Just understand that you are appreciated and you got brothers on the other side that love the work you do and we like to support you any way we can. We got to come out there and chop it up with you, man, and do something in the community. Like, we got to definitely do that. Yeah, man. I Listen, I said it on y'all post before. Whenever y'all do um, 
if y'all ever do y'all camp where people could come or whatever, I'm mm -hmm. coming on my dime. I want to be there. Because what you, listen, man, what you all are doing, man, is some tremendous work and whatnot, man. And I just love it. I love everything about it and everything like that, man. Working with the youth, man, we, we that's how you change the whole narrative, man. Yeah. You know, there's a scripture. I'm going to end it right here. There's a scripture that says a, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So uh, by by you all doing the work that you're doing and, and, and dealing with the youth, and that's why I try to focus on them as best as I can. Uh, we're changing the narrative, man. We're, we're, we're teaching young people that they are not who we are not who they say we are. Absolutely, man. And like I said, we're going we gonna to build together, man. Um, thank you for your continued support, and we'll continue to support you as well, good brother. All right. Um, Corey, you got any words before we get out of here, good brother? Just, you know, it, it feels good to know that we're not alone in the fight, man. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good. Like, so, because, like I said, man, it's, it's lonely sometimes, man. When you be out here and you be brawling, it, it, it get heavy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I got four kids. And I want the world to be a better place for when my kids walk around and then when they decide to have kids. And so it just make it, you know, it makes me feel better to know that other people out here doing the work. Absolutely. I don't, I don't want my grandchildren to say, Baba, when things was going, when the murder rate was do? going up in, in, in Chicago, what you was doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't have that on my resume, man. You right. Know what I, mean? I can't have it on my resume. What did you do? Yeah. All right, so, so, so for our folks out there, I'm going to put Ronnie's social media contacts and everything within the description. Follow what he's got going on. Follow his organization. Support his work any way you can. If you're in the Midwest, anywhere near, uh, you know, help the brother. Like, you know, just, just, just do the work because that's what we're about. It's just taking action and not just, you know, having conversations. You know, we like to actually take action, and this brother is one that's taking action. So, um, you know, make sure you follow them. And again, we love and appreciate all of the support that we get from everybody. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share this podcast. Um, we're on all podcast platforms. If you're watching on Facebook, share it there. But uh, just support the brother. Um, and, you know, we love you guys. But as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates. We'll see you guys in our next episode. Peace.